How's it doing? My name is John, and this is Pocus Cafe Podcast. This is a podcast where I sit down with very interesting people and talk about different topics over a great cup of coffee. I am extremely excited for you guys to hear the very first episode. My guest today is a quad-certified registered nurse who I've had the privilege of working with for a year and a half now. In this episode, we talk about the struggles that we've gone through in the last nine months as a registered nurse in the ER, and of course, we hit the COVID vaccine topic. I really hope you enjoy this episode, and welcome to Pocus Cafe Podcast. Good morning. This is Pocus Cafe. Thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, I have special guests today. I'm super excited to be talking to him. Uh, John? Hi, my name is Jonathan. Uh, uh, thank you for having me on your first episode of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, this is exciting. <laughs> we, we tried this uh, last week. It wasn't working very well, but I mean, hey, that's the process, you know? Yeah. Test it out. Now we're here. Trial and error. It's the journey. Man, how are you, man? I'm doing fabulous, man. Yeah, how's work been? Uh, uh, pretty good. Busy. <laughs> busy. Yes. Busy? So I'll just put it that is busy. Always learning. Always challenging. Fulfilling. Yeah. It's a relationship, you know. Love it. You hate it, but it's more than a relationship. But yes. yeah, yeah. So more than that for sure. Tell us, uh, what do you do, man? Um. Yeah. So, uh, I work as a registered nurse in the emergency department. I've been doing that for about two years. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of my first career, first official career, um, and just been enjoying the ride. And uh, it's a different type of emergency uh, department that we kind of work in that uh, not a lot of people have the opportunity to. It's a county hospital uh, that's also an academic institution in a way where it's, uh, it's run by a lot of resident doctors and healthcare workers. So along the side of taking care of a lot of those people that are in need, that are very, very sick, you get to work alongside a lot of uh, bright minds, enthusiastic minds that are willing to teach and learn. And I'm just like taking it in. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, man. It's a different kind of facility. We should have our own like show, to be honest. <laughs> so much goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have just different type of people from everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, all over the world, honestly, because... Uh, a lot of people who don't or aren't from the states come to us not that they don't have money but they just don't have the american insurance um obviously and then we also have uh the underprivileged patients who actually have no insurance and we have to take care of those people as well um so it's it's really nice i I like the facility it's uh it's a lot of work but it's great um but uh, you do more than that. Uh, what else do you do, bud? Uh, yeah, so alongside being a traditional ER nurse, uh, quote-unquote, uh, I was invited on to be part of this uh, critical care transport team that we're building up within our program, or sorry, our, our organization. And uh, our, I uh, help with taking care of interfacility transport of very sick patients that may need either definitive care such yeah. as if they need to go to a cath lab if they have a STEMI or if they need to go to get uh, specialized surgery maybe if they have a aortic dissection or some type of cardiac issue or if they have a stroke or if they have some very serious traumatic injuries that 
our facility may not have the capabilities of either personnel-wise or um, facilities and equipment-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what all do you have to have for in order to be invited to that type of program? Uh, so just starting out, um, initially we need to have our certified emergency nurse, uh, at least in the nursing part, because um, I work alongside a paramedic. But um, as a nurse, you initially had to be a certified emergency nurse, so certified in that yeah. with board certification of emergency nursing. Um, and also a certified trauma nurse, as well as being a certified transport nurse. And uh, alongside that, they recommend just continuing on your education. So um, for me, I wanted to make sure I was competent within my care. So I also had a critical care registered nurse or CCRN. Okay. Um, Learned through that as well. Is that a total of four? A total of four. I have, uh, I have one more, but there's one more. That. Yeah. Okay. It's a flight one, but so, I just figured the transport one and the flight flight is just a little bit of extra flight physiology. <clears throat> so I was like, okay, let me learn some of that. And then just, yeah, took it. And those four certifications that you have, like, how long did it take you to actually get them? Yeah, so I, I was studying really hard. For the CCRN, and around, I dedicated myself initially on and off, starting the beginning of two of 2020. Um, but then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just like passing through some questions, maybe going on Google and watching YouTube videos, learning about these topics. Yeah. But I really hunkered down and started learning and started applying <laughs> around April timeframe oh. to then do the CCRN test in july so so about like three months for that mm. uh it was really hardcore studying that and then from there they kind of opened up the door to say like okay if i was able to pass this certification that even just like icu nurses that are like top of line struggle for um that crnas they have to take as a lot of them have to take prerequisite has a prerequisite to kind of a checkbox to get into that program. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let me see if I can do these other ones. So then I started, okay, studying for the, the flight, the transport, and the trauma, because um, that kind of laid the foundation of like the hemodynamics. But yeah, it's just a little bit of just opening up a little more to these specific disease processes or considerations under these specific circumstances for being like trauma considerations or within the inner facility transport. Hmm. Yeah. So in a matter of like three or four months, you got all those certifications? Uh, I'd say about, uh, yeah, in a span of six months. Yeah. Oh. So y'all hear that. Anybody can do that. Probably not me, but um, <laughs> it takes dedication, obviously. I mean, you were just constantly in the books, not, not doing anything else. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was around the time that we had, like, deep in COVID, we were in lockdown. So yeah. I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's see how far I can crunch this down. And let's see how far I can push myself. I have nothing else to do. Let me be productive with this little quarantine episode. And yeah, that's what I dedicated myself for, for about a good six months. So the quarantine wasn't all that bad for you. <laughs> I mean, that's good, I guess. Um, well, I mean, not a lot of people did that, right? In our facility or? Uh, no, not a lot of people have. Uh, like some... like, like uh, during this pandemic? Well, yes. uh, no, I I don't believe so. I mean, we still get we get those emails that says like, "Hey, congrats to this nurse for getting the certification." I kind of yeah, yeah, kept mine under wraps. Um, 
mainly because there's a lot of expectations with those certifications. But yeah, uh, yeah not a lot of people, not a lot of people did, and I don't hold that against them. It doesn't really. Mm. It's it was me more so my personal fulfillment <laughs> to continue my certificate my education. Sorry, mm. certifications like it was cool, but. It was. It allowed me to have something tangible towards what I was always doing to begin with, which was continuing my education, being diligent with my knowledge, and always continuing to learn and challenge myself. So, by by kind of aligning that with these certifications, I was like, okay, at least I have something to kind of have my name or like a stamp of approval in a way, saying like, okay, I actually accomplished something with this. It's yeah. I was actually learning the standards that were set forth. For these very, uh, <coughs> these very, let's say prestigious organizations like yeah. uh, Association of Critical Care Nursing, mm-hmm. um, or American Corporation of Critical Care Nurses, and as well as the Board of Certification of Emergency Nurses. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that was kind of my, my big motivator. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey man, congrats! Huh? Not a lot of people have all those certifications, and something to look up to. I think that's why everyone, you know, comes to you with questions, even if you have just like two years under your belt. Um, it seems like you have a lot more than that, right? Um, even myself, I come to you sometimes, you know, <laughs> like ask you questions. Uh, but yeah, I've seen like uh, some of these nurses that have 20 years of experience come up to you and, and ask you like these simple questions. But hey, man, you're the perfect person to go up to and ask that question because obviously your head is in the books majority of the time and if you don't know anything you're looking it up right yeah always so yeah but congrats on that man so uh staying on the topic of that like uh how's covid uh been for you um these times are rough um did you see anything did you expect what you expected or did you see something more than what you expected uh during these this pandemic mm. you know the new the news was like telling us hey man Expect this, expect that, but realistically, man, what we were seeing was different. For me, I'll talk about that afterwards, but it was uh, it's a little rough. But do you think? Oh yeah, that's a. It was definitely the. It was definitely a journey. Um, seeing slowly seeing it spread from initially from Wuhan, China, and then seeing that okay, Italy got hit pretty hard. Was getting hit pretty hard, and then. Um, hearing the initial reports in New York, and then realized too, um, hmm, we're in Houston, we're in a very multicultural uh, hub that's also a flourishing metropolis with a bunch of ins and outs with some major airlines too, so major yeah. airports, so uh, as well as some major highways that pass through. So I was like, mm, this this could be a, another potential, um, another potential area almost like New York. Um, luckily, we didn't have to go to that extent of, um, to the extent of severity that New York was Yeah. in terms of just how bad they got hit. Um, but regardless, it was still very much a learning process um, that I wasn't expecting for. You try to like listen to many podcasts, you try to read as many research articles and, and newspapers, but it still doesn't prepare you for how how to manage it when you're deep in it. Yeah. I think we were reading like very similar articles. I think we like sat down one of the days that in March mm-hmm. when we were in GoPod, which is a, a pod that is 
just for respiratory patients. Mm -hmm. um, and we were just talking about journals and seeing how to manage these patients. But yeah, man, it's all been a learning process. It's like, the, at first, they're like, you know, don't give these patients fluids, you might, you know, all this and that. Um, and don't give patients ibuprofen. Uh, they, they threw that out. Um, they're still looking at that. Now that I see them actually giving these patients ibuprofen um, between Tylenol, right? Um, times that they take it. Uh, but yeah, it's all been a learning process. It's been rough, man. I think we got hit pretty bad right in March. Yeah, Somewhere I, there. I think we did. Yeah. And uh, uh, you were talking about, about the gold pod area, mm -hmm. kind of respiratory area. And yeah. initially how it started out too was just like maybe an eight bed area and then we would eventually be able to flex and expand it. Yeah. Um, but it was it was definitely rough in the beginning yeah. because the reports that were coming out was that it wasn't just respiratory. We were, mm -hmm. starting, we were starting to realize that they can have a wide array of symptoms. So we were getting a, basically a lot of our very sick patients with various differentials that we can think about. So it wasn't just COVID patients that we were having in these rooms. Um, we were getting a lot of patients that were having either strokes, uh, sepsis, um, that, as well as like cardiac issues that we had to consider that these could be very well COVID related yeah. as well. So it was a very, it was a, it was almost like um, taking care of, let's say, like almost like a critical care pod. Yeah. But it's like, like and on top um, of just COVID. Yeah, on top of just COVID, <laughs> makes everything was, worse. Right, and it was just this big, or big pod full of just like shockers, which was pretty cool, but also because because you're also learning so much and you're just like hunkered down with these very sick patients. And, taking in all these different pathophysiologies. Yeah. But along with that, it was tough trying to do that, gowning in and out, and worried that with these sick patients, you could be very well become a patient yourself in this because we, we were having trouble with maintaining PPEs, getting enough of it, as well as uh, trying to kind of learn as you go what's the best practice of trying not to aerosolize these particles for a lot of our patients that initially, again, this is when New York, New York was getting hit and we were starting to get hit with it as well. It was like, all right, the best practice or the clinical practice guideline at the time was intubating quick so you don't aerosolize. Yeah. And we were intubating of almost like five, six patients almost every day, sometimes going through. Yeah, even more. Even more, yeah. So having that in, a, in the singular pod with at the time was a very volunteer based kind of uh, area. So yeah. it's like, if you didn't want to go, you didn't have to. So we, we volunteered it and yeah. it was like, let's just take it. Let's have some fun. Let's learn. Yeah. I and, think it was like yeah. a total of like eight people who started volunteering at the beginning. Yeah. And it was like three on one side, which is, a, we have about what, like six rooms up there. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in there. Right. Yeah. 18 through 25, more than that too. So about somewhere on there. Yeah, it's about yeah, six, uh, eight, eight on each side. So eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, we had about three in the north and then three in the south. So it's split up, right? So eight on each side. Um, normally in the ER, we'll take about four patients, four to five patients. Mm -hmm. If they're they're not you know high acuity patients, you can take four or five. Mm -hmm. Easily able to manage that. I mean, in the emergency department, you move so quickly, um, but with these patients, 
even now, sometimes two can get out of hand. So, yeah. but yeah, um, at the beginning, it was just people who really wanted to be there in that, that, that uh, pod and just kind of hammer everything out for 12 hours. And like the doctors, the respiratory therapists, um, the nurses, um, the, you know, the PCAs there, which are your techs who help out. Um, man, they were, everybody in there was just worn out for 12 hours because, like, like he said, it was, you get there, you tube somebody. You know, 30 minutes later, you get out of that room, you're sweating, another patient comes in, boom, you tube them. Um, we later on figured out that tubing people isn't the best idea because they, they normally don't come off that tube. Yeah, um, and, uh, it fills up more ICU beds longer period of time, so it causes a throughput issue. Yeah. So it's not the best idea, and it's not best for on a micro scale on those patients. It's causing more morbidity and mortality. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, I think there's still like a few patients up in our facility that are still on vents. You know, just it's tough because families don't want to let them go. Um, but now we've uh, moved away from actually tubing people. Um, that is like the last resort. Um, we try what we call is like BiPAP, something similar to a CPAP, um, a little bit more pressured air, right? Um, and then high flow, which I've seen work fairly well. Then you have your airvo, which is very similar to the high flow, just humidified. Yeah, is that, is that right? Yeah, those a little are bit that. more nasal cannulas that provide a lot of flow and concentrated oxygen. So yeah, and I think that that's been helping uh, people beat COVID a little bit better and come off of you know these respiratory machines and go home to their family. So uh, yeah, we've seen that. So uh, little by little, we've learned. Um, like we said, it's a learning process. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people were, you know, are gone because of it, but. I mean, that's, that's part of it. Um, it was scary at first. Uh, you know, when we had those those uh, eight people in there, we had, I think it was like in a hallway that we zipped up the the hallway, what was the north and the south. We zipped up the middle, which is where the Pixis is. Mm -hmm. We have our water fountain there. Um, and then it's really our entrance and exit um, to the, the rest of the emergency department, right? Yeah. So we had zipped up that part. And I remember, I don't know if you were there, I remember uh, we had no rooms. There was about already like six intubated patients. And this is a time where, you know, the news was saying, hey, we don't have enough like machines to actually, for all these patients. So they started making a bunch of machines. And by machine, I mean the, you know, the, the machines we, we put these patients on when they're intubated. Um, I think we have one more literally one more that night and um the respiratory therapist me and him were just talking we we're just like dude it's only eleven twenty-eight at night i work night shifts john works night shifts as well um it was eleven twenty-eight at night so that is only four hours and 28 minutes into our shift and we were out of machines we we're out of rooms and we were about to tube somebody in the hallway how dangerous is that I think that's where that's where things started to get scary. I was like, "Oh man, this is where we're gonna lose our license," <laughs> you know. But, um, you know that patient. That patient actually, I think that was one of the patients that actually was able to walk off and get out of that, get off the tube. But, um, 
still it was scary for us all the techs all the respiratory therapists all the you know the x-ray staff the doctors because it aerosolized everything we were in the hallway and as much as you want to clean everything it's not 100 percent clean it's scary but yeah that that was like back going into april i think but you were like intubating in the in the the covid hallway yeah yeah in the covid hallway yeah it was just it was at that time where they had the zippers like on the on the openings and they they were like this is too dangerous we got to move away from this so they finally took it down after that i think people probably were really concerned with what was going on because i I don't think that was the first time that that happened like you know they they too did somebody in the hallway i think that it was been like two or two or three but i mean hey man what are you going to do like this patient's like setting in 20s 30s about to die he's 38 years old what are you gonna do you do everything possible you know you do everything possible to try to save this patient and unfortunately like from those days like a lot of people got sick uh little by little everybody started getting sick some people became patients like you said um and one of them was in our facility um so so he recovered fairly well but it's scary you know we we're putting ourselves at, at risk as well um and putting our families because uh, we actually have uh, one of our friends right now, actually. Uh, she, I think her husband, they all live together. Her husband got sick. She got sick. Now her family's all sick in the ICU. So hey. I think he took care of them, right? Oh, yeah. Like uh, part, partially. Partially. Yeah. Partially. So, yeah, it's all scary, man. These COVID patients, it's just like this there's their majority there's like a lot of symptoms that you think you will never see one of the patients that you guys were to transport i don't think you transported her it was uh jordan transported her him sorry and he his troponin was elevated again he just had covid mm. i mean it was like increasingly elevating i think they started 0.8 0.9 1.2 1.9 so it was starting to go up and up and up just a hypercoagulation issue due to covid so, and it's sad. It's very sad. I mean, like you talked about these stroke patients. That we had a 30-year-old who had a stroke. Yeah. Had no comorbidities, had a stroke. And later on, he actually passed. And his family came in and was like, we, we don't know what happened. Later on, we found out he had COVID. So it was a COVID death. Um, what do you think about that? Like, you know, they're they're naming all these these deaths, like COVID deaths, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's not COVID. They really died from, I don't know, toe pain, something like that, you know? Did you hear about that? Like, there's a lot of people. Uh, oh, that are, like, skeptical that yeah. where that for some reason they think that we're, we're making up numbers. Making numbers. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's them how they want to believe it. Um, so but, come, work, come work as a tech for few hours see how you, how you feel <laughs> yeah not that but um i'm at that point right now <laughs> in in this pandemic in my career where i'm just uh when you have someone that's being skeptical like that and they're they're within their mindset that um they think that that, that those numbers are false um while we're in this middle of this pandemic, and then me myself, my perspective, I've I've been helping to take care of these patients um, and seeing a lot of these patients perish. 
uh, you can't really change that. You can't really change their opinions on that. Um, so they can do whatever they want to do, but I know what I've seen. I know yeah. I've been taken care of. Yeah. It's it's sad, man. It is. Um, it kind of feels like a slap in the face sometimes. So, I mean, we're doing all we can for everyone. We, we don't even know these people, and we're just hammering everything out, getting sick for them, putting our, our bodies at risk. Um, and then they say that, you know, Oh, y'all guys are making up numbers, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But it is what it is. Um, it's part of our job. And unfortunately, the news don't, 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 don't speak about that very, very well or very much. And, but, hey, man, I'm super thankful for everyone who's out there fighting uh, and putting in work and helping everyone out because it's rough, man. Um, it can be very stressful. Uh, a lot of people are leaving their jobs. Um, doing something else um i think our icu facility upstairs actually 98 percent of the staff like quit right oh. there's like uh, all travelers uh, man i'm not sure but i do see a lot of the nurses that have, have those agency staffing type badges yeah so i think i think there's only like all the, all the management so i know i knew the management upstairs that floated up there a few times and they're all gone. Um, I know one of them that, that personally that she left and she was like, "I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> I'm done." Like my husband just told me to quit. I'm not doing it. And then another one went obviously to go take a contract somewhere else and uh, I'd get I guess like a step down IMU or step down ICU. Um, I don't remember exactly what she went to go do, but it, you know, it, I mean, I get it. It's stressful, dude. Um, sometimes I just want to walk out. Sometimes, but. How you been coping with this, man? Uh, a little better. Hmm. A little better. <laughs> uh, I remember, yeah, this quarantine stuff initially, yeah, trying to study as much as I could, but it was really tough sometimes when initially everything was closed down, couldn't really, get, really hang out at a coffee shop, couldn't really hang out at a bar. Yeah. Couldn't really hang out with your friends because you were afraid of getting <clears throat> sick. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it was tough. Definitely de started to develop some bad coping habits. Uh, but fixing it up now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of drinking or what are we doing? So I personally didn't. I don't like to drink that much. Yeah. I'd sometimes you know like to go out, but I really unfortunately bad habit that I picked up back when I was in college was smoking hmm. and I quit for a while but um, in the middle of the pandemic I started to smoke a lot more and now I'm not doing as much but like sticks or cigarettes yep nasty sticks nasty. <laughs> nasty don't do it yeah don't do it especially if you're working with patients that have bad lungs you don't want to be having bad lungs yourself and then yeah get com get more complications um, but that was kind of the, the comfort food that unfortunately I had a habit way back when I kicked it. Um, but when you're stressed, when you're tired, um, when you're so exhausted, not just mentally, physically, but just like emotionally drained, um, it's tough. And sometimes too, when, uh, they teach you in school and they teach you 
in the hospital on like what's the appropriate way to cope. You talk to some people, but yeah, you know, it's just tough. And that, yeah, that's uh, especially when you're not able to talk with anybody else. Then why not just have a cigarette and just chill out? That's what that was my little habit that I developed. But then I, I stopped. Are you, were you living on your own at the time? No, I was with, living with a, a roommate. Okay. Yeah, and he was also a nurse. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of it just didn't hang out at all. We hang out. We hang out. Well, you know, um, hey, stand over there, twenty feet away from me. <laughs> no, um, I was kind of keeping to myself though. It was a lot of processing. Um, I was just like emotionally drained, so I didn't feel like, even though I have a roommate, it was fun talking with him, kicking back with him. Yeah. Um, but it was at that point where it was pretty dark, and I was like, man, we're in the deep in this pandemic, working this gig. People are taking, um, a lot of my friends are leaving. My original crew that I was with, uh, going, doing travel assignments. So. Yeah. Yeah. The girls. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. So it was a little, it was tough. And then that's where it's like, yeah, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want, I've been, I was crunching, crunching out these shifts, being emotionally drained. I don't have, like when I'm clocking out, I don't want to talk to you. I want to see your face. Not kind of be a dick, but. You know, that's just where it was. Yeah. That's where I was in my in my headspace at the time. Yeah. Um, but then I started realizing, you know, you got to talk to some people. Mm-hmm. You have to try to try to be open up some, have some vulnerability to be able to express your feelings and have them process and have some perspective outside because it's easy to fall into those mental trappings and mm-hmm. just like keep having these negative thoughts and habits just keep forming and that's what I realized what was going on with me yeah yeah I think that was with everyone at least you know we were just going to work stressed mm-hmm. emotionally drained I think that's where everybody started calling out everybody started getting sick yeah I mean at, at some point your immune system just starts going down and down when you're stressed you're you're feeling depressed you're in a dark place and <clears throat> I think around that time April, March, April, that's when we saw a lot of people starting to just get sick, man. Mm-hmm. Like, and by people, I mean, like, uh, the staff-wise, right? Um, and it was starting to get scared. People were leaving um, to travel a little bit more. There was better opportunities um, somewhere else. Still m- better opportunities out there now, but, um, yeah, I, we were losing staff left and right. Some COVID-related, some traveling related and I think we were down maybe like 14 nurses it was getting scary and that's when we had to get travelers in yeah um, yeah they've been great yeah man and they're still there yeah making you know 150 an hour yeah, it's, it's I mean hey it's the we need the help still um I think we're starting to get to that point again um it feels like we're in a surge right now um I think I saw all my patients two nights ago with COVID. Mm-hmm. I was, um, there was a time between June and maybe November. Yeah, or October where it was like, eh, you know, you get your patient here and there. Got diarrhea. Okay, cool. Go home. Take Tylenol, Pepto-Bismol. If you, you, know, if you start feeling short of breath, come back. Mm-hmm. But now it's dudes are sitting in the 56 again. Um, um, yeah. You can't breathe back on air flows. High flows are like 
being used almost in every room. We don't have a room, so we have to terminal clean them all the time. Um, so I think we had brought down a tent area where we were holding respiratory patients, um, the people that actually didn't need a room at the moment, mm-hmm. until we can get them a room. And then that we took that down back in October, right? Yeah, I think October, November, it started. We, around that time that you said that we kind of started dipping down mm-hmm. in, in our uh, COVID patients. Uh, so we closed that off. But now we're starting to pick back up. So I think they're going to start to open that up again. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, we've, we're getting back to that that tipping point where we're seeing a lot of COVID patients. It may be due to holidays. It may be due to the weather. I don't know. I, I really don't know because... We're still, we're about nine, ten months in this pandemic, and we still don't know everything 100%. Um, We don't know what, if you got the virus and beat it, are you going to have, like, long-term issues later on, or... It's crazy. Um, And now we have two vaccines that are FDA-approved, right? Is it two, or is there there more? I think it's the two from now. The Pfizer and the Moderna one? Yeah. I think they started issuing the Moderna. I had, yesterday we had a family friend that told me she got the Moderna. Um, we got the P Pfizer. Yeah, we did. Well, uh, we'll talk about that. We're three weeks in. COVID vaccine. Um, did you did you grow a six toe or? No, <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. A third eyeball. Third eyeball. No, not yet. Um, but. I remember in the beginning, though, there was a lot of uh, a questioning. We didn't know what was going to happen, but I figured I'd, I'd get it as uh, lesser of two evils. If they're getting COVID and some complications with that. Yeah. And there's a uh, vaccine that holds promise from the research, but even though it's very limited and it was very quick to come out, yeah. but um, I got it. Yeah. How do you feel now? I... I I feel great. I don't yeah. notice anything different right now. Uh, yeah. Initially, when I had the shot, it was definitely a lot. I felt very sore in my arm. And then I was also felt like I was very cloudy and sore afterwards, too, for the, like about two to three days. Yeah. It was just kind of weird. I was like, mm, yeah. I really hope there was nothing complications going on that's happening to me right now. Yeah. Yeah. I. I got the vaccine two day, a day after you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I got I had body aches, man. Uh, I had body aches. I felt very cloudy. Um, I think that night, the night afterwards, actually, I was like super cloudy minded. Um, I was leading gold. You were helping me out there that night with a ICU patient. Her, she was too. Yeah, we were we were just messing around with like um. Some medications, trying to get her pressures to uh, to somewhere where she was okay. Um, we were in the room and we were just talking, and we were, I felt like I really had to think about what I, I needed to do. And I asked you, I was like, "Hey, man, do you, do you feel cloudy minded?" Or and you said, "Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how I feel right now." Yeah. I was like, "Uh, I wonder if it's just I don't know. Maybe it's a." I don't know, maybe we're just thinking about it too much or something, but I definitely felt cloudy-minded, and I don't know how other people... I didn't really talk to other people about it, but I had body aches, cloudy mind. Um, I may have gotten a fever, I don't know, like a small fever, like 100.1 or something. 
I took Tylenol and ibuprofen when I got to work and went before I left work. I ended up feeling fine the next day, but and that's the only thing I got. Uh, we'll see, because we, we have to get another booster on the in a month. Yeah, it's around January. Yeah, I mean, that's coming up, like, two weeks. I got two weeks. I got it on the 17th. Mm-hmm. We're on the 29th, so yeah, about two weeks. Um, they say, I, I don't know who said this, but they, they were, they were, the rumor was that you were going to get, like, worse symptoms when you get the booster. Oh, well... I didn't see the research on that, but we'll see. I haven't seen research. It was just yeah. rumor in the yard. Rumor in the yard. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, um, they were telling me the Moderna one is, has less symptoms. Hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think I got really bad symptoms, but it's probably just the same symptoms I got during, like, you know, when I got the flu vaccine. Yeah, I've kind of felt that way. Hmm. But body's creating antibodies, so man. who knows? But the whole, like, cloudy-minded stuff, kind of scary. Yeah, it was kind of scary. It's like just being in the middle of it. Like, yeah, you're in the middle of like taking care of like really sick patients, and then you just yeah, it's like man, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, uh, see cloudiness. Was like man, whoops. Well, maybe I made a mistake taking this vaccine. <laughs> but yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I was reading that Florida and Texas already like vaccinated people over sixty-five. So we'll see how they feel. Um, I think it's good that everybody's getting vaccinated. It doesn't mean that. Nobody's going to get COVID anymore. Just going to suppress the numbers probably. But it's kind of scary because it's only like 90% accurate. Oh, the testing? Like, no, I mean like it working. Of it working? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the quickest we've gotten a vaccine out. Yeah, it was like a little less than 12 months. Yeah. Which which shows some, like how cool, how far we come with the technology. But it's also have some skepticism. Yeah. And... We'll see uh, what happens in these next few months and these coming years. Yeah, because the uh, the research that has been out is like, P Pfizer's um, research was like, they were paying for it. <laughs> yeah, like the New Madrid medicine, you can see where it says, funded by. Yeah, Pfizer. they were they were paying okay. for it. But you know what? Uh, P Pfizer, to a certain extent, they've been in the game for a while. Um, they have the blue pill, obviously. <laughs> um. That's been used for pulmonary hypertension at first, and they, they realize, oh, man, uh, it can be used for something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, they, they, you know, they have those medicines. Um, so it's funny that they're the first ones to actually get approved. Uh, they're very well. They're very wealthy. So uh, I think it's going to be fine. Um, a, lot of the peop- a lot of the staff that have gotten it are really happy with it. I, I think I've only, like, talked to one that was, like, kind of, like, worried um, she's over 60, I think. She's a tech in the morning. Mm-hmm. She was scared to get it, and then now she's like, I'm so glad I got it. Um, because she goes home to her, like, uh, grandkids, and she's scared of passing it to them. So um, hopefully it works, and we start suppressing these numbers little by little. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that don't believe in vaccines, so it's still going to be a lot of people that are, get sick. Um, what do you think about that, man? The people that don't vaccinate their kids and stuff. Man. That's a that's a really hard topic to talk about because we actually have some family members that are close that don't believe in that. So. Yeah, it's yeah. nothing bad. I mean, hey, you believe in what you believe in, yeah. but... You got a lot of coworkers, too, that they don't uh, believe in vaccinations as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's... Uh, I think vaccines aren't, aren't that bad, but I also understand that there's been some... 
some vaccines that lead to some complications like John Gray that have been have been associated with like a was it that one shot that we used for HPV initially when we were starting that out? Um, some some patients were uh, unfortunately developing John Gray syndrome, and then yeah, that's a when I was having a discussion with one person that didn't believe in doing vaccines. So I think it's important to just like do a lot of research and be very considerate of what the implications are when you don't vaccinate. And and it's tough. Like I I personally just take it as there's a vaccine available for me to get. Is it either flu shot or this COVID stuff? Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna vaccinate myself. Um but yeah, it's unfortunate that sometimes too when you have someone that's maybe responsible that's responsible for taking care of kids or having uh, these children where they don't vaccinate themselves and unfortunately cause like a measles outbreak somewhere. Mm. Yeah, that's uh that's that's just bound to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunate. I mean I, I don't have nothing bad or good to say. <laughs> uh but uh I mean, hey, like you, you said, like just research. Yeah. It's pretty much uh, if you if you think it's right, if you don't think it's right, and it's it's on you. But now, yeah. hopefully that doesn't cause cause an outbreak. I mm -hmm. mean, it's scary. Vaccines can be scary. I mean, whenever before getting the code vaccine, even doing research and actually being being like, yeah, I'm gonna get it. When I sat down and they were about to insert that injection in me, I was my heart rate was probably 120, 130. I was scared, man, because mm -hmm. I was starting to see um, people say that. Oh man, there's a possibility that you can you can get uh, paralysis in the face. Um, there was people having anaphylactic reactions. Um, when I sat down, they also asked me, "Hey man, are you do you ever carry an EpiPen?" I'm like, "Pause, what? <laughs> I've never carried an EpiPen in my life, man." Uh, yeah, that was a that was a little concerning at first, just like going through that process, and it's like, oh, these questions that are very serious questions. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering why there's answering or they're asking those questions immediately uh before we're about to get this uh relatively new shot yeah kind of man it, it, it's scary it's scary um and since we were like the first ones to get it imagine dude imagine if something happened to us and there's no staff because of a vaccine that's that that was an, another thought process that i had i'm like i'm just scared of being sick and not being able to take care of other people and my, you know, my colleagues being the same way. It's like, who's going to take care of these patients? The majority of us got it already. There's maybe like two or three that I know that don't, didn't. They're like, oh, no, nah, I'm not getting it at all. Mm -hmm. um, at, at some point, I think it's going to be a requirement, though, man. Um, just like the flu vaccine, it may be a seasonal thing. I was reading that it, this vaccine may, may be in your system for about three years. Um, we don't know, obviously, because it was only... It was only, you know, made in about a year. So, really, they say, hey, up to three years, but I don't know. It may, it may just be like it's gonna be in your for a couple months or a year or longer than that. So. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah, it's kind of a. Uh, I kind of have the feeling like you know what I've, again the, so the 
lesser of two evils. Yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and just take it. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what happens there. The Some of the research is promising. Some of the some of the data is kind of iffy, but I was like, okay, I'm just going to take it for now. And we'll just roll with it through. I was at that point where I was like, yeah, I'm, I'd rather have this than possibly have a blood clot in my lungs. Or yeah. Yeah. Or end up on a ventilator and having a trach going on through uh, from being infected with COVID. So, yeah, that was my thought process. But again, do your research and develop your own opinions and what plan you want to be doing. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see, man. In a couple of weeks, uh, I'll definitely, uh, when we get the booster, uh, I'm obviously going to sit down and talk about it more. Um, but it, it's interesting. It's interesting because right now I feel great. I mean, the first, like I said, the first couple of days, I didn't feel like doing anything. Didn't want to work out, taking medicines to make me feel better. Um, but I'm fine now. But I've also been uh, been doing a lot of healthier stuff. Um, I, I, I used to work out a lot, and, and I stopped for a while because of the pandemic. And uh starting to create healthier habits again. Um, even trying to get on a diet and, and you know feel better about myself I guess and, but um, I, I think that's something that we don't we don't talk to patients about very much like creating better habits um, obviously it's a hard thing to talk about because you know majority of these patients come back you know they're diabetic they're supposed to be on insulin and they're not complying with the medication um, so trying to get even healthier habits like hey man go on a walk or go to the park and do this, uh, do jumping jacks at home, do burpees at home. They're, they're not going to do it, man. Um, it's like it goes through one ear, out the other. But I think that's something that we got to talk to patients more about, who, especially those who are over 400 pounds, man. Um, we had a dude that was like 590 the other day um, trying, to, trying to get that man on BiPAP was the worst thing ever. Um, and he's like, hey, man, I, I want a burger. If you don't feed me now, I'm going to walk out of here. <laughs> um, those are bad habits, man. But, yeah, we, we I think the news definitely should try to get that out there, too. Uh, we need to create healthier habits in order to beat this pandemic because it's just not about medicine. It's also about, hey, man, what you do outside of you know, the hospital when you're in there or, you know, when, when you're at home. So uh, you've been joining me. How do you feel? Yeah, the on the same line of uh, creating healthier habits. Yeah, yeah. When I was stopped smoking for about let's see three months, and I started getting back into the gym a little more, mm -hmm. and I started joining you with these like well, garage gym workouts. Like, why not? It's better to have someone to hang around with and kind of motivate each other. Yeah, it definitely helps out. Um, I understand not everyone can have a garage gym where they're at, but just the baby steps first, try to develop a routine where just develop systems around you where you can slowly become healthier. Yeah, man, I'm inviting everybody. I invite everybody over. Hey, man, come come work out. Come work out. That way we can create healthier habits. I've always been, I always believed that working out was like the actually true medicine of everything, you know, stress, um, your health um overall so uh and i still believe it 
I kind of lost that uh, belief uh, during this pandemic, and that's whenever I stopped working out. Um, I picked up weight. I was feeling stressed, uh, emotionally drained. Mm, that's been around, you know, around the time that when this pandemic started. But now it's like, oh man, I feel better. I wake up, I feel great. I have a clear mind. I drink my coffee like we're drinking right now, and go to work feeling great, happy. Um, I feel a lot better now that I'm, I'm creating these better habits. And I think that if people did that, they feel the same way. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and they're, 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 they talk about that too. It's like, hey man, you know, California, they're, they're closing down all these gyms, they're closing down all these parks. They're not letting people go out there and, you know, yeah, you can social distance and wear your mask around the park. But hey, that's something that, that they're taking away from people that people actually need. Like, they, they need to go out for a walk, clear their mind, and do these things. But they're taking that away from them. It's tough, man. In California, there's a bad situation going on over there. I mean, just a lot of people out there. It's, it's hard to control. Um, the, you know this virus with as many people as they have out there um I have family out there that you know they're like man i've been stuck in the house for six months i'm just working from home starting to go crazy uh, they, they've closed down gyms parks uh, so it, it's rough um so and that's why you've seen a lot of people move from california to austin and yeah, it's it is what it is, though, man. I mean, the IC, their ICU capacity is like, what, like 92 right now, 93? Yeah, they're filling up. It's sad. I, I saw a contract that was like $10,000 to go out there because they, they can't handle it. There's so many sick people. You didn't take it? No, absolutely not. I'm not going to go out there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about these contracts, man? Uh, like the nursing travel center ones? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, what do you What do you see that are pros and what are the cons? I, you actually told me something yesterday that you know the insurance stuff. Um, oh yeah. Well, I think along with. Yeah. Man, I'm about to. This fly is getting everywhere. How the door open? Get it out. Um, but it's enticing. The, the amount of money that you can get. Mm. The amount of uh, cash, like windfall that you can get coming through, is pretty awesome. But one for on the flip side of that, one of the things that I realized too is that if you're going to accept those assignments, a lot, a lot of times the insurance aspect of it, the health insurance wise, you're not going to have the best insurance. Yeah. You're, so if you're going to be these travel contract nurses that are doing these crisis assignments, working in these very high volume, high concentration of sick COVID patients. Um, and if you have a propensity to get sick, or if you have an issue of possibly having COVID, we don't know for sure. Once you get COVID, you're completely 100% free of getting it again. We don't know that. We don't know how well. Oh, this I know you. Working. We don't know that. Yeah, we don't know how well this vaccine's working. If you get sick complications from COVID while you're on an assignment there, and then you gotta get hospitalized, what are you gonna be going to? And all those hospitals are filled up. So you have no insurance. Yeah, we're not we're not really the best insurance to begin with. So that was a thought process that went to my head, but at the same time a lot I know a lot of nurses that I've taken and they're pretty attractive. Especially if you're thinking about 
you want to have a nest egg to take care of yourself, your family, or you got to take care of a lot of school debt or just overall regular debt. Dude, you can done. pay your debt in one year. And then have enough money to go back to school. <laughs> exactly. Start your own business, so. Oh, I know. I've, I've looked into them. Like, man, what's there to lie about? Uh, they catch your attention fairly quickly. I signed up for a couple, you know, um, websites. Give me, give me more information on, on some. See if there there there's some in our area that we can take and continue to work at the hospital we're working at. Um, but yeah, man, that that's another thing that I've thought about. Like, dude, uh, the people that have gotten COVID, you can get it again. We had a doctor. I think Derek Derek was the one. He had it three times. Oh yeah. And he was in the ICU. Oh, really? I didn't know about that part. Yeah, I know he was. He became septic the first time, um, and he's he talks about it. I don't know. I'm putting his business out there, but he speaks about it like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know about this. Yeah. So he got a total of three different. I, I believe three times. I know for sure too. The third, I I, I somebody told me. I'm not 100 percent sure, but even then, he's like, you got it two times in the span of three months. Yeah, and he's a healthy guy. He's Very fit. healthy individual. Super fit. Um, uh, he was an ex-military, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he has any, like, comorbidities, like, I don't know if he has high blood pressure, you know, um, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know his, like, history, but, I mean, he's fairly healthy, he looks healthy, he looks great from the outside, um, he is, uh, year three, year three of his residency, Mm -hmm. he's about to be, uh, and attending um but yeah um it's scary because you're gonna go out there put your body even more at risk we don't i don't know this um covid may have multiple strains they may have a different strain in california than they, what they have here yeah. and you've already had covid here but you go to california catch that it's worse so i thought about that a lot um in the insurance stuff um but hey, man, it's up to you on taking those uh, those traveling assignments. Um, they're beautiful. Those numbers and and starting adding the like you know you start adding all the numbers and what you can buy and what you can pay off after that. I mean, there's a reason why people are leaving, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're getting distressed uh, and with the amount of pay that they're giving you here, and someone offers you something else. To be the same amount of stress, of course people are gonna leave. Of course, like we have a couple friends that have done that, right? Yeah, they're starting to leave, and they're and that's how it's starting to get scary in our facility because it's like, all people are leaving, and we don't have enough staff, and the numbers are increasing. So, the circle of life. Thing. Yeah, it's just a circle. I mean, it's gonna continue until this pandemic's over, and I don't see this pandemic ending anytime soon. I think we have at least another year or two in this thing. <laughs> I do. I, I personally believe, man. Like, yeah, there's no way, there's no way that, like, hey, we have a few months that we're like, oh, man, this is almost over. And then, boom, we get hit again in the holidays. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people are not as scared as they used to be, though. I think there's a lot of pandemic fatigue now. Um, yeah. Which I get. I get. Um, but uh, you just got to remember, too, it's the stuff that we're, we are surgeons and we're seeing it. Yeah. As a... Uh, as ER nurses and everyone around you see in the news in California. And then, yeah, around in uh, Europe as well, there's a new strain coming out. That's uh, Yeah, I saw that. What was it, in England? Yeah. Oh, boy. 
It's like, hey, here we go. Stage 10 of Jumanji. <laughs> yeah, we're about to die. Something did, you know, the first train didn't kill us. This other train didn't kill us. Who knows? It's scary, man. They just to think about it. I try not to even think about it or stress about it anymore. And uh, at, at this point, if, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. You know, um, you got it already. Yeah, I was never really tested positive. Yeah. But I definitely have the symptoms uh, for a few days of like in the middle of the summer. Just yeah. having like overall body aches, short of breath. I had to like do some self crying for a little bit. Yeah. And it actually helped out. Did you feel like, did you feel like you were, you were, Having trouble breathing? Yeah, I was like... Or was it just like a, uh, you know, just a little bit? Yeah, I was having this really bad cough that I could feel deep in my deep in my lungs. And I couldn't, like, cough out. So it almost felt like I was suffocating a little bit. Mm. Like, it wasn't as deep a breath as I could have. And it's was like, man, this doesn't feel like like a regular, like, flu or cold issue that I've had before. And this is the middle of summertime, so I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Probably COVID. All right. I mean, and I had like four days off. That's it. To, to well, I was just like chilling, and eventually when I got tested, like went to work to get tested that that following week, and I found the results back it was negative. So I was like, hmm, okay, well. Did I'm they? Did sure. they? Did they go? They deep? went deep hard. Yeah. Was, they went. Yeah, they went back hard. So I was like, man, when I swab, I swab pretty deeply because I don't. I don't believe that you know you're gonna get a good result just by putting it in the nostril and you know. Yeah, you you really gotta go deep in you know uh, they they tell us to uh, move it around about for ten seconds. Unfortunately, these man, I've gotten it done. I I I feel like I'm gonna throw up on whoever's doing it. That's what I feel. Um, so when I'm doing it with these patients, it sucks. But at the same time, it's like, hey man, we really gotta test you. Yeah, I need we need to know 100 percent that you're not COVID uh, you know COVID positive because. I mean, we put like I said, we put ourselves at risk, and also when if they're uh, if they do get admitted, they're gonna be in an area where they're COVID negative patients mm -hmm. or they're COVID positive patients. So if we send someone that's COVID positive and to like a a floor where there's COVID negative, all the patients are gonna be COVID positive now. So yeah. and eventually we is gonna beat that. You know, they're gonna be COVID positive, COVID negative patients in the same floor, just like in the ER, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I go pretty, pretty deep and uh, I make sure to Definitely. test them out because I, I feel like that was something that um, that was missing in, in like when early March through May. They weren't swabbing right. I think the swabs weren't 100% accurate um, because I think Carl, one of the, our buddies, he got swabbed three times, mm -hmm. had every symptom and was negative. Mm. Mm. I didn't so, know about that. Yeah, so I I don't know, man. Like I think I don't think they're a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, I suspect not. So yeah, at least back then, around back, yeah, like a little bit now. Now it's starting to obviously they're, they're making more accurate uh, swabs. Um, they're even talking about having swabs at Walgreens, selling, doing them yourself, and having some machine tell you, hey, you're positive or, or negative. Um, they're working on that. It's in the work. I actually saw. Uh, an article about that and hopefully they they do do that um kind of like a pregnancy test um type of thing uh, because dude they're making a hundred 125 dollars a pop at these facilities and you gotta wait eight hours in line or these free the free uh testing sites there's like there's like a five hour wait you gotta wait in your car and you do it yourself you're not even doing it right and you get results what in 12 days 
Um, I had a patient that went to a strawberry clinic somewhere in Pasadena. I think he had 15 days he had been feeling like that. He he's not working, um, so you know these these you know they work construction. They're not paying them when they're safe. So he's not working, and then they're like, hey, you can still come back to work if you're negative. Well, he doesn't know the result because what? They're, he's waiting 12 days to get a result. He's been swabbed. He doesn't have 130 or 150 dollars to find out like the next day. So I, I think those uh those self tests are gonna be very very good. Um, they might be pricey probably, but at the end of the day, like hey, you don't have to wait. You get the the result right there, and and if you do, just take precaution, stay at home, take the medicine that you need to take, and then if you get short of breath or worse, go to the ER. So I think that it, we're heading in the right direction with the testing, but still to this day, I don't think the tests are accurate. Yeah, not always hundred percent. No, not a hundred. No, but it's all good. Uh, but yeah. Well, man, we've been talking for about an hour. Uh. Uh, I think we hit everything that we wanted to talk about. Um, we're having some good coffee. What do you think about the coffee? You always make good coffee, bro. Nah, yeah. This was excellent. Yo, if you haven't checked out Pokey's Cafe Instagram, um, I go to the different coffee shops here in Houston um, that I think are great and recommend to everyone. Uh, today we're drinking uh, Chella's Coffee uh, Ecuadorian uh, blend. Uh, they had a drop last week. It's called the Finca Luga Lugma Pata. Interesting name. I can't even say it. Um, it's a natural process. Um, I actually go to their 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 place probably like every every three weeks to get new new beans. Uh, I consistently go there. Uh, the holiday blend was excellent. It was straight from El Salvador. My family's from El Salvador. I don't know if it made it taste even better knowing it was from El Salvador, but it was great. Uh, but yeah, John, I, I thank you for sitting down with me on this first episode. Um, I appreciate. Uh, everything, uh, you were one of the first person that I talked to about having a podcast, and you were like, yeah, run with it, man. Sounds great. So I really appreciate that. Um, again, thank you to everyone who is fighting this pandemic, uh, respiratory therapists, x-ray, other staff, doctors, nurses. Uh, we really appreciate you. Um, I'm going to continue to drop these podcasts like bi-weekly. Um, I am busy with work. Um and trying to create better habits, uh, and I hope that everyone can take something from these podcasts and you know just listen on the drive to work, drive home. I know we're all tired, but keep uh, hammering everything out. We're gonna beat this, all right. Um, thank you again, and uh, I hope you continue to listen to Focus Cafe. Uh, thank you, guys.